Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lobanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Like, this is quality entertainment. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. We're looking to add wings. Reckless speculation. Woo! All right, we're, we're both just reading through this here from sportingnews.com. Doogie, hat tip to Doogie for tweeting this out. This is, this is good groundwork for the scoop session here in about an hour and a half. There's been all kinds of reports. Brian Windhorst. Uh, somebody else from one of those ESPN platforms, too, reporting. There's been all kinds of steam just about Carl Anthony Towns being unhappy, and there's been friction between players and Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler and his agent are clearly floating stuff. And Well, here's another one from Sporting News. Despite that positive arc coming into the offseason, meaning like, hey, they won, they went to the playoffs and they won a bunch of games, reports out of Minnesota depict a frayed team, its stars lacking a comfortable fit with one another, its most promising young players unsure how they fit with the veterans Thibodeau prefers. <laughs> Sounds about right so far. Especially those who played for him in his first stint in Chicago. Sources familiar with the situation told Sporting News that Jimmy Butler is uncertain about playing with Wiggins. Butler had problems last season with Wiggins, his work ethic, and his approach on the defensive end of the floor. So did we. Tom Thibodeau has had similar problems with Wiggins in the past as well, and he had some hope that bringing in a tough-minded veteran like Butler into the locker room would spur Wiggins to improve. It didn't. The security... I'm going to keep reading. It went backwards. The security of a contract extension would be welcome for Butler, but the Wolves are locked into Wiggins for five years starting next season. If Butler signs on to stay in Minnesota... He could be locking himself into playing with Wiggins for the foreseeable future. That's risky from Butler's perspective. This is coming, I guarantee this is coming straight from Butler and his agent. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. His agent definitely is talking. His agent loves to His loves agent to has talk. been yes. singing since the season came to a conclusion. Yes. Jeff Teague, according to a source, this is another thing. So this is a separate thing altogether. So let's actually, you know what, before we get to the second thing, let's digest that first thing. And this is something we could have predicted just watching the games last year, but... Jimmy Butler clearly doesn't like playing with Andrew Wiggins because Wiggins is kind of a clueless basketball player. He doesn't put forth as much effort. And if you're Jimmy Butler, think about this. Wiggins was the number one overall pick. Butler was a late first-round draft pick, like 24th overall, sat on the bench for the first couple of years. Wiggins was one of the league leaders in minutes right away as a 19, 20, 21-year-old. So Jimmy Butler has to grind his way just to get playing time in the NBA and refine his skills and become a competent offensive player to go along with his defensive prowess. Like, his path to stardom was this grinded-out, bust-your-ass, and you have to commend him for that. He looks at Wiggins and says, dude, you were the number one overall pick. You were on the cover of Slam Magazine when you were, like, 14 years old, 
and people were talking about you as the next LeBron James, and you can't figure out how to play any semblance of defense. You can't figure out how to mesh on offense. This is not surprising at all, but the interesting thing about this is I'm convinced that anything that Butler's agent floats is is basically not just Butler's thought, but also Tibbs' thought, because that whole camp seems to be be their own entity. Mm-hmm. So if we get a report saying that Jimmy Butler doesn't like something, I think that is also saying that Tibbs agrees with with Butler. This is not surprising. Get to the next thing, though, because I find the next thing to be, I don't think I have seen this or heard this before. This was actually new to me. Okay. Jeff Teague, according to a source, again, this is sportingnews.com, Jeff Teague, according to a source, went to Tom Thibodeau during last season and suggested that Tyus Jones play more. <laughs> So Jeff Teague so say that goes slowly. to the coach, the point guard, which, by the way, I find commendable because Jeff yes. Teague says, I'm a 30, 28, 30 minute guy. I'm I'm getting super tired in some of these games yeah. in which we're, you're, you got me out there too long. And as a team guy, I think Tyus Jones is a good player. He's saying this. So, again, according to a source, Jeff Teague went to Tibbs during the season and suggested that Tyus Jones play more. The Wolves are considering bringing Derrick Rose back for next year. And that has fueled speculation that Tyus Jones would be traded this offseason. If you trade a blossoming young Tyus Jones, who's what, 22? If you trade, and I'm not saying Tyus Jones is going to be Chris Paul, but he's a serviceable piece to a puzzle. If you if you trade him away for basically nothing, yep. and you bring Derrick Rose back at age 30, broken down Derrick Rose because he looked good for five minutes against the Rockets in a postseason game, that's a fireable offense. Anyways, let me continue. Um... The speculation is that Jones will be traded this offseason. A package of Jones and the 20th overall pick could bring back some much-needed perimeter shooting. But sources told Sporting News that Tyus Jones met with the team management after the playoffs, and Tom Thibodeau reasserted his support of Tyus and his development. Even if the Wolves re-signed Derrick Rose, Jones was assured his minutes and opportunities would increase because Crawford is not expected to return to the team. Rose mostly played shooting guard with the Wolves last year, so there's a chance Jones could play alongside Rose as a backcourt bench not, unit. No, this doesn't work. Jones had considered requesting a trade. This Good. is also this is super juicy. Good for him. Tyus Jones had considered requesting a trade, but the meeting with the team diffused that notion before it arose, and for now at least, the Wolves have no intention of dealing him. Okay. Reckless speculation. With no regard for human life. Let's chew on that. Let's digest this for let's chew on it and digest it. Because there's about three things here. Number one, your veteran starting point guard who you acquired, if you're Tibbs, comes to you and says, Tibbs, coach, please play Tyus Jones more. He, th- this is your starting point guard. Basically telling you, play me less. Not, on- not only do you not fully listen to that, you go and sign Derek Rose. I guarantee you Jeff Teague didn't say, you know, you know what we should do. I'm playing too much. Tyus, he's not that good. So go sign Derrick Rose. I guarantee you he did. So Tibbs, instead of heeding the advice of a veteran player, who I think is pretty smart, he goes and he signs an antique, a relic off his old shelf, because he likes that guy so much. Second of all, this last thing that you just read, Tyus Jones considered requesting a trade. This is a guy who should be fulfilling a lifelong dream. You're from Apple Valley. You get a chance to play for your for your NBA team, the mm-hmm. team that you grew up, I'm sure, loving. And it's so miserable. And you're so miscast at times. And and you are, I'm not saying he's a great player, but he can certainly play. 
you are so distraught by how you're being used that if this reckless speculation is right, you consider going to that team that you once loved and saying, get me the hell out of here. Dude, I could I could build a case. Honestly, I, I would feel comfortable with this. I could build a case for trading Jeff Teague for other components like shooting or uh, maybe, maybe a wing player who plays some defense and shoots and just letting Tyus Jones be your starting point guard for 30 minutes a night. That's how much I think of him anyways watching. There's a lot of smart people who watch basketball who would tell you, yeah, Tyus Jones, he's not, he's not Chris Paul. He's not, no one's putting him in this top superstar echelon of players. But when he's on the court, the Wolves per 100 possessions are six points better than when he's off the court. And he plays a lot with bench players, too. So if you put him with starters, you see the ball movement's better. And and one of the issues with Jeff Teague, I think Jeff Teague's a good player. And I think Jeff Teague is a better fit for this team than Ricky Rubio uh, was. Because you just needed someone who could knock down shots. Imagine if, if Ricky Rubio was your starting point guard, and Andrew Wiggins can't make a three. And Ricky Rubio can't make a three. Yeah. And Jimmy Butler's an okay, streaky three-point shooter. Uh, and Taj Gibson can't make a three. Like You just become eminently more... You just it's easier to guard uh, for opposing teams defensively, but I, I all this talk about bringing Derrick Rose back and trading Tyus Jones for fifty cents on the dollar, I would honestly lean further toward Tyus Jones is now the starting point guard. Bleep it, he doesn't need the ball to shoot fifteen times a game like Jeff Teague does. Sometimes he's looking to get the ball to other people and facilitate ball movement and just facilitate, uh, you know, slashing and cutting. And using the twenty million dollars Jeff Teague is owed to go bring in other players who can shoot three, like I, I would rather make that case. I'm not saying they should for sure do that, but I'd rather make that case than the case for yeah, you know what, Tyus Jones, bleep him about, three years in and he's not a star. Like get rid how, of him. How about the common sense case when Jeff Teague goes to Tibbs and makes the suggestion that you tell Jeff Teague that's a good idea. You don't go sign Derrick Rose. How about that? How about just starting there? God, it, it, it's this is. This is being made so much more difficult than it needs to be by all of the primary parties involved. And and the list now of of veteran starters who went to the head coach at some point during the uh, 2017-18 season and said, we are playing too much, includes Jeff Teague, includes Taj, who I think works very hard. I mean, Taj is not a guy who who you're like, oh, he didn't, didn't want to play. He wanted to play. But we know of at least two of the five who went to Tibbs and said, we're playing too much. You're burning us out. And he still doesn't listen to it. Yeah. Let's come back. Let's keep on this here for a second. It's just, I'm just because let's, on, on the Butler aspect of this report, they have a decision to make here. And it's really complicated. Uh, if you have thoughts on this, the Sporting News reporting that Jimmy Butler doesn't like playing with Andrew Wiggins, which we could have figured and that Tom Thibodeau has had similar problems with Wiggins, and they thought that bringing in Butler would help Wiggins. It hasn't. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. And the whole notion that Tyus Jones is ready to request a trade, and Jeff Teague actually, during the season, went to the coaching staff and said, hey, this guy should play more. He's a good player, and I'm getting burnt out at the end of games. 651-646-8255. Chris Singleton at the bottom of the hour and Doogie with a scoop session in about an hour and 20 minutes. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Luther Brookdale Toyota is on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And they are here to help you in a number of different ways. First of all, if you haven't had your battery inspected lately or if you're doing a lot of road tripping around, if you're going up to the cabin on the weekends, driving around Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, wherever it may be here, make sure that you have that peace of mind that I've had and my family has had 
for a number of years going to Luther Brookdale Toyota. They will give you a free battery inspection and uh, and and they will make sure that your car is running right and running safe. Your battery is much more susceptible to go kaput during these hot summer months than it is even during the winter time. So go in and and see my friends in the service department and make sure your car is running the right way. And while you're at it, maybe you want to test drive one of these brand new 2018s, the Camrys and the Corollas with new sportier looks, especially the Camry with the new exterior. And a couple of the best SUVs in the world right now, the S, uh, the, the RAV4 and the Highlander. Get in, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. We now continue with more Mackie and Judd, live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. Uh, this is great, man. Sporting news. Thank God for loose lips sinking here? ships, baby. You know what? I, I, I cut and pasted some of the key parts, and I didn't grab the... Sean Deveny, D-E-V-E-N-E-Y, okay. is the author. Uh, so he kind of he kind of buries his own reporting like halfway through the story too, because he sets it up with he even mentions Doogie's reporting and he mentions what Glenn Taylor has said and and the Carl Anthony Towns thing. Yep, from Wendy. Yeah, and then he gets to his own stuff. I'm just going to read part of this over again if you're just joining us. So despite a positive arc coming into the off season in terms of wins and losses and where the franchise is at just on paper, reports out of Minnesota depict a frayed team. Its stars lacking a comfortable fit with one another. It's most promising young stars, unsure how they'll fit with the veterans Thibodeau prefers, especially those who played for him in his first stint in Chicago. And sources familiar with the situation told Sporting News, Jimmy Butler is uncertain about playing with Wiggins. Butler had problems last season with Wiggins, his work ethic, and his approach on the defensive end of the floor. And Tom Thibodeau has had similar problems with Wiggins in the past, too. And he had some hope that bringing in a tough-minded veteran like Butler into the locker room would spur Wiggins to improve. It didn't. The security of a contract extension would be welcome for Butler, but the Wolves are locked into Wiggins for five years starting this upcoming season. If Butler signs on to stay in Minnesota, he could be locking himself into playing with Wiggins for the foreseeable future, and it sounds like he doesn't want to do that. Here's the problem, among a million of them, clearly. I was going to say, where are you starting? It sounds like Butler and Wiggins, like Butler's not going to commit I don't even know if you'd want Butler to commit long term because he's got frayed knees and and he's one of those Tom Thibodeau players that might just burn out by the time he's thirty years old. And he's already twenty nine. But if the Wolves brought in Jimmy Butler to try and help Andrew Wiggins, and that was and that was one of the things we talked about too, and it looks like it's failing. I don't think Butler is the type of personality that's going to really like empathize with a guy and try to figure out what makes him tick. I think. Butler comes in, he's a great player, he's a great leader by example, he's a great work ethic guy, but he's kind of a bleep you if you don't if you don't yeah, see the he's light. He's not gonna with babysit, me. he's not that type of no, guy. And he's not even from a leadership perspective, he's not gonna come in there and really like have a heart to heart with someone. He doesn't seem right. like that type of personality. So if the, if it's not really a fit, I don't know what you do because if you let's say you trade Wiggins for fifty cents on the dollar, because you're not gonna get a, a huge haul for that contract. In fact, you might have to attach like a first round pick to it yeah, you're to, to get someone to give you something, you're right? You have to pay to give up that contract. So let's say you do that and you get something much lesser in terms of like you just get a role player back yep. and you've just now you've just committed all of your chips to this upcoming season because you've gotten rid of a young piece that you could build on for five years, assuming that you could get extra productivity out of Wiggins. But Jimmy Butler's on a one-year deal and not guaranteed to resign. You don't really have a third star on the team that makes you think you're going to compete with the Warriors or with the Rockets. So you would just, like, if you traded Wiggins to appease Butler, you would 
you'd be bringing back some players that might help you a little bit but, this season, but not enough to win big in the Western Conference, and then Butler would leave anyways. But this goes so now you're left with this goes, Carl Anthony Towns. This goes back to what what we've been discussing for a month now, which is everything about this franchise is built to go after a championship next year, which I don't think is realistic. Because there's nothing else. If you're Jimmy Butler, you're not dumb. You you can see that the guy who brought you here is probably going to burn out and be gone within three years, yeah. two years. So that that's why I realistically go back to the talk of trying to get Kyrie. Because if you're going to do this, just do it. If you're going to commit to it, just do it. Try and win. Do the best that you could possibly do to pursue a championship in 2018-19 because there's nothing about this franchise that screams there is a true long-term plan in place. That includes Butler. That includes Tibbs. The only sure thing that you've got going into the future is when Cat uh, signs his max extension. But besides that, you tell me. What is there about how this franchise is operating right now, about how Tibbs runs things as either president of basketball ops or a coach? What is there about how this franchise operates that says, I see a five-year plan here. I see nothing no. close to and that. And then you get these other teams, like, like let's take Boston, for instance. Not only is Boston ready to win the championship next year, they also have a five-year plan because they've got three of the best young players in the Eastern Conference. And even if you include Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, those guys are definitely still in their 20s. 651 646 Jones reportedly oh. wanted out. We were going to go to Mike's call, but he dropped off. If you want to chime in on this, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Just process that for one second. A hometown kid basically reportedly said, you know what, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. Well, okay, if you had to choose on this Wiggins-Butler thing, mm-hmm. if you knew that Andrew Wiggins was going to ascend and he was going to be a piece, maybe not, he, maybe he wasn't going to be a first-team All-NBA guy, but he was going to be a reliable second or third piece to a championship team. And I don't think that's a guarantee at all. I don't care how much money he's making. I don't care how hyped he was. I don't care that he was the number one pick. Like, he has shown very little progression, and if anything, he's probably regressed over the past couple of years offensively and in terms of just gelling. Um, maybe you could bring in a different coach to connect with him, maybe if the roster was a little bit different, but there's things that, that just go on him, like shot selection, just be a better shooter. So with all the questions surrounding Wiggins, would you feel more confident just not punting on this year, but just do what you can do this year, make sure that you're molding Cat and Wiggins as a long-term duo for the next five to ten years. Yep. Or would you try and salvage whatever you could value-wise with Wiggins just to appease Butler because Butler is the here and he's the now and he's one of the better players in the NBA and do what you can to make it work with Cat and Butler in the now and Jeff Teague and Taj Gibson to see how far you can go. I just don't think you can go well, any further than like the second round anyway. If so I, you should be looking for the future. If I took door two, if I did, I that that's why I would definitely go, go to Boston and say Kyrie at what price? But he's a but that's a for a because, one year for yes, a one year for thing, a yeah. one year deal a, a rental. So you've got him, you've got Butler, you've got yeah. Cat. If you've got Andrew, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. The issue with your question though is this: we know the guy who's got the clay. And the guy who's got the clay has no patience. Yeah. So so while option one in a common sense type of world makes sense to me, it doesn't compute in my brain that that's even a realistic possibility. Mm-hmm. Because this guy doesn't have the patience and he's got the keys to every car. There's, there's three cars here and guess what? Tibbs got them all. 
And Glenn Taylor can drive them once in a while because he owns them, but nobody else has the... There's no one that can go to Tibbs and say, Tom, this is ridiculous. Dude, I wonder what Glenn Taylor's doing I mean, and thinking right now as he looks at... As he reads these stories... Go back to this story, though. And, and, and the fact that Jeff Teague, a veteran point guard who wants to play a lot, went to Tibbs and said, play Tyus more. And Tibbs not only didn't do that, he went out... And sign Derek Rose. Yeah. And I don't think you have to I don't think we have to criticize coaches for not just always listening to their players. But in this particular case, it was so obvious. Look at the end of these games when these starting players all playing crazy huge minutes, all just gassed in the fourth quarter when you're getting smoked on a nightly basis. Multiple multiple people going to Tibbs saying, Play me less, please. Yeah. Chris Singleton on the Miguel Sano demotion here shortly, and then Doogie with a scoop in like an hour. 651-646-8255. What's up, Paul? Hey, guys. uh, Just wanted to ask the question. I don't follow the Wolves that closely, but can with that contract that's coming on for Wiggins, can it be moved? I mean, what team is crazy enough to take the contract to somebody that I think league-wide everybody looks at and says, this is horrible? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's the thing about the last... Thanks, Paul, for the phone call. That's the thing about these last two years. You've gone from Andrew Wiggins... The, and, and who knows what the full details are, but it sounded like the Wolves were in the mix to offer up potentially Wiggins to Cleveland for Kyrie Irving. And it's very possible Cleveland would have still taken the Boston package anyways. Like I, I, I My guess is they would have preferred to trade him to the Western Conference, but, but if... Wiggins was a legit centerpiece in discussions for a guy like Kyrie Irving a year ago. And now we're talking about, would you have to include a first-round draft pick to get a team to take him for something far less than a Kyrie Irving? Like right now, if let's say Boston had had the room and and just like the playing time and the position opening and, and they were willing to trade Kyrie, do you think they would take Andrew Wiggins and that five-year contract straight up for Kyrie Irving? Uh, no. Absolutely not. No way, nor should they. No. There might be some teams out there. We've listed some of the teams with cap space, like Atlanta. There might be some teams that are that maybe aren't gonna. They're they're not gonna win the next two or three years, and they have some time where they could try to mold. So Atlanta is there a if if the Lakers were to whiff on a LeBron James signing or something, well, like, could you find a team to take a shot on him? I'm sure you. And could. we're not convinced that that if you got him to the right spot and you got him the right set of teammates and coaching, he could be successful. All I know is as this. Organization, the Wolves are currently constructed and coached. It's not going to be here. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to be. He's not going to, you know, the the tone deaf quote of "I love my shot." That's how he thinks now. You've got to get somebody to get to him. I mean, this is he's not he's not the mess that that Miguel Sano is, but he's not that far in some ways either mm-hmm. because he's in shape, but he's still delusional and he's so out, he's, out, he's available. yeah, know? he can play and he plays a lot and good for him. Um, but unless you're going to change the framework of how this franchise operates right now, I don't see any hope that he's going to turn this huge corner here, not with the coaching yeah. and and Butler. Butler, you're right. Butler's going to push him, but Butler's going to have an expectation that pushing will work, and Butler's going to have no interest in trying to babysit him. Uh, Matt tweets into the show, I get that this sporting news article was just published, but this isn't new news. But Matt, you know what it is? Reckless speculation. That's right. Let's take one more call on this. (laughs) I was hoping that Realistic Randy would chime in here. Randy in Oakland, the floor is yours. What's up, Randy? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, 
I feel bad for you guys and all the Wolves fans out there in Minnesota because, and maybe I'm prisoner of the moment, but I can't remember a time where I've seen an organization screw up what would have been a very great offseason. I mean, you got Jimmy Butler in, you got Jeff Teague in, which I agree for this system and for the players you have. Jeff Teague is a better fit than Ricky Rubio. You need to hit some outside shots. And I'm thinking, well, this is great. This is fantastic moving forward. And Glenn Taylor said, you know what would be even more fantastic? Let's sign Andrew Wiggins to a, what, five-year, hundred and fifty and a half million dollars or whatever it is. And you can't be surprised by this. I don't understand the shot. I get the whole idea that, well, executives, owners, they may know more than the general fan. But this shouldn't be surprising to anybody that Andrew Wiggins is just not ever going to live up to this contract. I said at the time when they were offering, and Judge, you mentioned, oh, he's going to look Andrew Wiggins in the eye and try to get more out of him. And I'm like, that's just ridiculous. This is a league now where you don't have to do much, and you bank on a bounce-back performance such as Tristan Thompson. Let's give him $82 million or whatever, and he doesn't live up to it. I think leadership at the top, is just so screwed up with the Wolves that it's sad, but the players seem to have the most sense out of everybody else in that entire organization. And then you get the tips, you run your starters into the ground, you don't play your bench at all, young player, word of mouth is going to get out. Why would any top-tier free agent go out of their way to say, you know what, let me go to Minnesota and play under the leadership of Tibbs when he's got his favorites that he likes to play all the time, including Derrick Rose, which Tyus Jones should play a lot more than Derrick Rose. I just don't get – Cole Aldridge isn't bad at all to play off the bench. I just don't understand. The only good thing you've got going is that Carl Anthony Towns, he's still in his rookie year, so I believe once his rookie year uh, deal is up, he's a restricted free agent, so obviously he'll match whatever it is you get. But as long as Glenn Taylor is the owner, as long as Tibbs is there, as long as Andrew Wiggins is there with his max contract, I don't see how you can get any sort of positivity from this because these players can go out into the media and say – oh, it's all right, we're a brotherhood and all this stuff, they know how much Andrew Wiggins is getting paid. They see how much he doesn't give a damn. And if, that, if that's you, if you have a coworker and you see some dude just getting all the praise and all the cash and all the promotions while you're sitting there busting your ass and that dude's not doing nothing, it's going to get to you. So I just thought the Wolves had a great opportunity to build upon something, especially after getting Jimmy Butler. But I've never seen an instance where a franchise just royally screws themselves. Yeah. Amen, dude. Thanks, Randy. Take it easy, Randy. We'll talk soon. Rand- Randy and Oakland, realistic Randy. Plenty more on this. You know what? We'll dive into, into this again with Doogie here in an hour. We're kind of up against the clock, and the biggest news of the last 24 hours is Miguel Sano demoted to single A, not triple A, not double A, but single A Fort Myers to rebuild his swing, his career. We'll talk to Chris Singleton about that when we come back. And right now, we're watching the U.S. Open. Hey, it's Bright blue skies now, some clouds. It went from torrential downpours and wind, and now uh, we're watching on a TCL 55-inch 4K Roku TV. Our guy Tiger, uh, it doesn't take 4K picture quality to see how bad he's been the last couple days, but everyone's struggling on this course. Uh, we love watching sports on this thing. Uh, it, not, only, not only do you get just the crisp picture quality, but you get all kinds of built-in streaming options, too. It's not just cable and satellite channels, which you're going to have uh, like you would with any TV, whatever you subscribe to, Comcast, whatever. Uh, but you get, with no extra cords attached because there's a built-in Roku device, 
on page two, so to speak, access to Hulu, to Amazon TV, Fox Sports Go, for me, because I'm a geek, WWE Network. It's 4,000-plus streaming channels and 450,000-plus movies and TV show episodes. TCL is America's fastest-growing TV brand. Stop into any major local retailer or go to TCLUSA.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You'll find us most uncooperative. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins now. With former player turned ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton. All right, Mackie and Judd, it's Friday, talking twins. That means Chris Singleton, our friend from ESPN Radio and uh, various ESPN platforms. And so let's just start out with your thoughts on the news that came down yesterday. We all sort of felt like Miguel Sano's bad start to the season was leading to a demotion maybe at some point. I don't know if we envisioned single A and a complete rebuild. So when you saw that news, what what are your thoughts? He was an all-star last year. Yeah, I mean, what a fall from uh, such you know, an ascent to, uh, to being a superstar. Um, you know, I, I don't look at it, though, and say that, hey, it's over. You know, the guy's going to be, a, you know, a one-hit wonder, one-year wonder. Um, you know, obviously the struggles were real. Uh, you go back to last year, you know, at the end of the season as he was injured and you know, not able to play in that playoff game and how that impacts your offseason. Then you had the, the off-the-field, uh, you know, situation. And, you know, sometimes I look at these players and I don't know that we always know the whole story of what they may be dealing in their, with in their personal life that just kind of snowballs along with, you know, a physical setback that they've had. Um, you know, one feeds off the other, if you will. And uh, I'm not saying that I do know uh, particularly, but it wouldn't surprise me if there were some off-the-field um, personal issues that, you know, he was dealing with, um, or that he is dealing with, along with uh, physically um, where he's trying to get to. So, you know, you go to you go to a ball. It's convenient, obviously, and we've all heard the reports. You know, you get down the spring training, you know, complex, and in that area, and the resources that are there, um, as far as facilities and everything else. Um, you know, that can be. That can be a bit of a safety. It also might be a thing to where I say, hey, listen, we we need him to be able to clear his head a little bit. And if we get to AAA, you know, guys are, are gunning and they're, you know, they're they're trying to get back to the show and there's a lot more going on there. Um, and there's a lot more attitude, you know, there. A-ball, you know, and being at the spring training facility is kind of a, a safe place. So that's my take on it. Whether I'm, I'm accurate or not, that's kind of how I see it. Hey, Chris, I don't think he's done, but I think AAA would, would have been a sign that they were sending him somewhere to try and get him out of a slump. My sense of this move is it's an, an attempt to save his career. So it's far more than, than go down there and tweak your swing and come back. I think what this is saying is, is we have to send a message where you take it completely seriously that if you don't change things, it's not just the uh, 2018 season that's in jeopardy for you it's really your entire career sure uh, i agree with that and i think you know the the attitude many times is when you go to AAA, you know you might be able to put a band-aid on something that, that really needs surgery and you know you go to AAA, you have a good you know week or two you get like whatever happens and then all of a sudden 
you know, the thought is, well, it should be back in the big leagues. Or, you know, the writers and reporters are, hey, he's staring it up in AAA for the last, you know, week or ten days. Twins need him back up there. And it's, and it's a, a deeper-seated issue than just a week of performance or two weeks. That organization knows him better than anybody else. And they know what's going on in his on the field and off the field. And, uh, you know, take making the decision they made, I'm sure, it was very calculated. You know, I don't think this is apples to apples uh, for, for a bunch of reasons, but the name that's been thrown out there when you're talking about top-end talent that had to reset after they'd been in the big leagues, Roy Halladay was sent down to double-A to single-A. It was 2001, and, and, and he redid his mechanics and, and spent the first half of the season up until June just climbing back up the minor league ladder and then obviously became one of the greatest pitchers of all time. The talent was there. I think the biggest difference there, first of all, pitcher versus hitter, two different people. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Roy Halladay a legendary work ethic guy, Chris? I mean, that's that's just a component that we haven't really seen from Miguel Sano, and maybe he hasn't had to. Maybe he's just gotten by on natural talent to this point. Yeah, I think I think those are stories are similar, um, but slightly different in this. Just to your point, Roy Halladay. There were no issues or concerns with work ethic and attitude. And perhaps the issue was that he was too driven, overly, you know, or hyper-focused. And along with, yeah, the mechanics and everything else, there needed to be some mental coaching and an ability to sort of put things in a, in a better perspective. Because when you get these people that are ultra-competitive, obviously, man, they can be tormented um, you know, by their performance, even when it's good, that, you know, it wasn't good enough or it should have been better or even being able to, you know, deal with perceived failure. So, you know, I think that's the side, you know, reflecting on Roy Halladay that you would lean on more with Miguel Sano. I think you may be more on the side of, hey, you got to get focused. You got to get yourself together, you know, physically. Um, you're not going to be able to play in, at a sustained level if, you know, your weight continues to go upward. It's got to, if anything, you know, it's got to come down some. But then, then at that point, once you stabilize, if it's going any direction, it's got to be going down, not up. Um, so, you know, that's that's obviously because that's going to affect, you know, everything else. The amount of, uh, of, of load on the joints and everything else, muscular. Um, so that's a part of it. And I think, you know, there's a part of it as well of, of you know, there's a maturity side that they're looking and saying, hey, you're going to have to, figure some of these things out and uh you know get your get your stuff in order off the field and and uh because it's definitely affects on the field and um can retool and, and get back to a good place but this is a great opportunity i think maybe one of the things we could also pull in is you know pablo sandoval i mean pablo sandoval remember you know with the giants it was constant babysitting early on of hey coming to spring training weight being right you know this that and another and uh they had to stay on him pretty good I don't remember a demotion um, down to a, a lower level or anything to send a message, but there was always a threat. I mean, he was the one guy that, you know, coming to spring training, he had a marker that, hey, if you're over whatever, 220, you know, this is what's going to happen. Your, your spring training schedule is going to change. And he was the only guy who had, you know, that type of uh, standard, you know, put out there to him. So um, he seemed to turn things around, at least in the Giants uniform, and, and was able to be part of three World Series championships. Um, things kind of fell apart after he you know, signed in free agency with the Red Sox. But um, I think along those lines, there's an opportunity for Sano in, in this correction 
that the organization is giving him for him to uh, be a very productive player and perhaps uh, help the Twins win some type of, uh, you know, championship, whether it's division or, you know, somewhere in the playoffs. Chris, if you're a player for for the Twins, too, what what is the wow factor here? Because if he gets sent to AAA, you you might be a little bit uh, surprised. But what type of uh, organizational message does this potentially send uh, to guys who are are with the big league club and also top prospects uh, when you see a guy who was an all-star in 2017 get sent down all the way to Class A? I think it's, you know, as a former player, when things like that happen, you know, you kind of just see it more as strategic. You know, those guys in there that are his teammates, they know that Miguel's a stud. You know, they're they're not like the people on the outside aren't looking just at, oh, man, he's, he's having a terrible season. You know, the guys on the inside, they, they know who the dudes are regardless of where they're at right now. And so, you know, I would think back, that attitude would most likely be, hey, this is a strategic move. They're They're – they're sending him there because there's some work that needs to get done. It's going to be a better controlled environment, and uh, he'll be back here. You know, it's not a hey, you got to work your way back up. You got to get to Double A and then Triple A and prove yourself all over again and get back here. Um, I don't think players see that as the case at all. Yeah. Uh, Chris Singleton, we've spent a lot of time on this show over the past few weeks, just and there's been a lot of great think pieces written just from the baseball community about how to fix various aspects of baseball. We had we had a Mensa member chime in with Jeff Passan from Yahoo last week and had ten ways to fix baseball in different areas. Uh, Buster Only, your colleague Buster Only, he floated this notion a week and a half ago, just in order to 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 put more emphasis on starting pitching again, to quicken games, to to avoid the Terry Francona four pitchers for four batters fiasco. Four pitchers for a nine-inning game. Your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I think Buster got buried a little bit over the last uh, week or so with uh, that idea. Hey, I I appreciate, you know, the, the many ideas and, you know, his, his reporting and writing that he puts out there and gives us all something to talk about, but... Uh, you know, I had written down a couple of things right away that, you know, you use using only four pitchers, and it's going to be hard to keep a routine, you know, for those starters because, you know, let's say a pitcher goes out, that starter, he gets rocked in the first or second inning, which I don't care who you are, it's happened to everybody, right? And for some guys, it happens a little bit more often. So now all of a sudden, you got an undue burden on three other pitchers to finish those eight innings okay so then now the pitcher who started let's say he threw 45 pitches right so you're going to wait and keep him on a routine you know for his fifth day no because when you only got four starters he's going to have to somehow get back into the mix you know to help the team you know throughout that time so um you'd, he'd have to be prepared to pitch in a day or two so that's going to mess with the routine and we've all heard you know everybody talks about how these guys want a routine they want to kind of know um there'd have to be more roster transactions you get a you get a reliever that okay man he has to go four innings or five innings or over the course of a couple of days he's he's a guy that's racked up a number of innings man we can't use him we gotta so we gotta make roster transactions if there's a quote-unquote injury right so if you had an injury then you could replace that pitcher well then that pitcher's got to go on the dl it can't be oh you know he's you know, right right now, you can go out there with the, with the trainer, and it's not a mountain visit or whatever. You pull the guy out of the game, whatever, however it goes. But 
you know, how do you prevent teams from kind of faking somewhat of an injury? So you'd have to have a move, you know, to the disabled list. Um, and then how about this? This is where agents would probably, you know, throw their arms up, is if I'm a manager and I've got four pitches pitchers that night, I, I'm trying to win. Remember, if I'm a manager, because I have a job as well, and I'm evaluated on wins and losses. So it's not just me out there, you know, solely trying to do, you know, what's best for the players all the time. The manager's looking at, hey, I got a contract too. I got to win ball games. So let's say you, you get a guy who goes out there and he throws a 40, he has a 40 pitch inning in the first. Then the next inning, he goes out, man, he's struggling. He's at 27 pitches. It's, are you going, you, you, are you going to let him get hurt? Because we know those stressful innings, that's what, you know, the people in the medical community, they de- deem as a key contributor to injury. So even managing that, you know, how am I going to handle that? And am I going to get a guy hurt? Because I only have four pitchers for my game. He's had a stressful inning or two. And in normal circumstances, as they are right now, that guy's not going back out to pitch. Yeah. You've only got four pitchers. you got to send him back out. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, if baseball came to you today and said, okay, Chris, it's up to you. Give us one change uh, to speed up games and help with pace of play. What would be the drastic change that you would make? Wow. Okay. Let me try to jog my mind here and sitting in the booth and, and looking at uh, at some of the things. These It's funny you ask me, and I go blank a little bit, but when I'm <laughs> working over the weekends, we have all kinds of uh, – of ideas uh, for me, I would say, I would say the pitch clock. I mean, I, I probably you know sound the alarms and everything else, but I would say the pitch clock. You know, um, deliver it, deliver the pitch. Now it's easier for me to say as a broadcaster now because I'm on the other side of it. Well, if I was a player still, I'd be saying, "Come on, I need my time in between pitches as a hitter to regroup. I've got to, uh, you know, it's a chess match, uh, pitcher as well, but." You know, as a fan now and as a broadcaster, I'm saying, yeah, you know what? It's clock, man. Get the ball, let's throw it. Get the ball, let's throw it. You know, too much dead time um, that can exist out there. So for me, yeah, that would that would be the number one thing. Yeah. Great stuff, Chris Singleton. Thanks, Chris. Uh, we appreciate it as always, and we'll talk next Friday, man. All right, guys. My pleasure. Thanks. All right, Chris Singleton from ESPN Radio and uh, various ESPN platformers. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Bill Mackie. Uh, he's been around. He's one of those guys where he's got a lot of talent, but he's kind of a knucklehead. Judd Zolgad. For someone who has done some amazing journalism, he's just a boob. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Ever dream of playing a little football at U.S. Bank Stadium? We've got your chance. You can sign your team up now to participate in United Health Group's Touch of Football Flag Football Tournament, Saturday, September 8th. Flag football teams will take over U.S. Bank Stadium for this one-day six-on-six tournament. It's all to raise money for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. Team spots are limited. Get yourself signed up now with that squad of yours. Details at 1500ASPN.com. Keyword events. Stay at the desk. We'll go to the other side of the desk, the U.S. Open leaderboard update desk. Hang on, got to get over there. Okay. Because the Tiger has struck on his 17th hole of the day. That's right. He pours in a six-foot birdie. Back to 11 over. 
We don't even need Dave for this update. You know what it is? Tiger Woods is back in it, baby. It's time for a Tiger. Fifteen it's strokes time off the lead for a Tigervention. That's what we need here, Dave. <laughs> it's amazing. A Tigervention. The guy makes one putt in two days, and all of a sudden, gotta go to the leader desk. Dude. Gotta go to the desk. I am. This you is so what? sad to watch. The sun comes out and he starts playing. What? He got unlucky with the bad conditions this morning. We're on eighteen T here, Tiger. With well, the... it's nine T technically because well, they yes. started on. That's but, true. Yeah. Look at him, just pipes it. Oh, this is, oh if, my. if you can back-to-back birdie here, I think it gives you great momentum going into the Open Championship in July. Only you want a birdie? St- Why not Eagle? Well, I'm just that would be amazing. But just carry over some of that momentum to the next major. That's all I'm saying. I'm trying to find definition for delusional. Right now, Tiger Woods is at 11 over par. One hole left to go on the tournament. I mean, on the day for Tiger. Uh, he is cool. tied we'll at see what happens, 109th okay? right now uh, among all players. Dustin Johnson, he continues to crush Tiger as far as the group goes and the field as well. He is four under par for the tournament, three under for the day. It looks like he just put one in the fairway as well on their 18th hole today. Uh, the only other guy under par, that would be Ian Poulter. One under, still yet to tee off. Scott Piercy uh, remains at even par, and the rest are over. The rest are the trying really hard. Delusional. Something that is falsely or delusionally believed or propagated. That'd be accurate right there. That's right. Yep. Tommy Fleetwood, nice round for him today. Minus four for the day. He is one over for the tournament in the clubhouse already at he, six. He, by the way, because we didn't, because we were in the middle of the of the first round yesterday, so we didn't ask our guy Nick Peters who his official winner was, and he did tweet after the segment. By the way, Tommy Fleetwood to make really it good for him. Interesting, Tommy Fleetwood. It's a very British name. Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood. Right. Fleetwood. Um, did you, real quick here, before we get to questions, on that Chris Singleton interview, which was awesome, and he had a ton of great stuff on the Miguel Sano demotion, did you get the sense that he was not just sort of speculating on personal life things bothering Miguel Sano? I mean, he, I don't think he brings that up just out of thin air. Oh, the stuff. And he's very connected. No, I and, think he knew. Or no, I think he know. I think or is he, he talking knows, about the off season or? Hey, I think I think he might. I've, I think for sure he was referring back to what Miguel um, went through being investigated by MLB this past winter. But yeah, I got the idea that he's talked to people who have been like, "Yeah, this guy's sort of a mess." Mm-hmm. And it, it's a bunch of stuff. I mean, the Berardino tweet is very telling. <laughs> when you don't know before a game, oh, we're facing a right hander, a left hander. I didn't know that. The lack of preparation here is very concerning. And the thing with Snell that I can't tell is, does he have the intelligence and ability to fix this or not? Like, I don't know. I can't tell. I I don't know him, or I've certainly not seen him in enough situations to say, well, I yeah. think he's smart. He just doesn't care. I don't know that. Like, the interesting thing is the Twins are dealing with uh, two very similar situations as far as failure goes, but two incredibly different people. Like with Byron Buxton, there's no doubt in my mind he wants to succeed. I think he's a bright baseball player. I think Byron Buxton desperately wants to be a very good player. And so I never have doubt. Now I have doubt about if he can hit, and I think that doubt is fair. But with Miguel Sano, I would sit here and tell you I have no idea if this is going to work. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of breaking Twins news here. They just sent out a release. Joe Maurer will officially return from his rehab assignment tonight. And they've recalled the sort of slap-hitting infielder, that 28, 29-year-old yeah, infielder the they claim from the Mariners. Is it Taylor Motter? Yes. Taylor Motter, who yeah. has a 198 career average and 390 plate appearances. Yeah. Can play a bunch of positions. But this is a dude who, even in the minor leagues, like he was... 
In 2016 at AAA, he batted 215. He he is currently well, he was currently at Rochester batting 167 and 190 if you include his Tacoma average with Seattle. He's oh, 28 that, years old. Well, there you have it. But he owns a glove that can go multiple. Places. <laughs> or if not, he can borrow one from somebody. All right, questions. What do you got for us next? I'm going to have a little redo of a question you guys had a couple days ago. Now that things have actually played out, we'll see what you feel about the Twins. And a uh, question regarding Major League Baseball and how they've treated that video we've probably all seen of Terry Collins flipping out for the Mets a couple days. Also, it's Game Show Friday, so we're going to play a game show, give away some prizes in the noon hour, and then Doogie with a scoop at 1230.